Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTGA podcast. Mikey Stafford and Roy O'Neill here with you, and we are joined by Kieran Whelan and RTE's very own Marty Morrissey, live from Westmeath, I believe. How are we doing, lads? Good to see you, Mikey. Good to see you, Rory and Kieran. What's going on, guys? Um, right, uh, Marty's in deepest darkest West Mead because he's uh, delving into uh, coaching and development funding, which it's not a Congress motion, Marty, but it is. It, it's coming up. Uh, Central Council are going to discuss it before Congress, so uh, the likelihood is it's going to be presented as a, a fait accompli then on the Congress floor. Is that the idea? Yeah, well, I, I'm not too sure it will even be finally validated, but the, 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 the suggestion is that before... Uh, Congress starts at half 10 and before that, this will be shown to the Central Council members um, as, a, as a suggested proposal in terms of um, games development funding. The, the new model is, will be based on a, a direct uh, investment of 12 million euro, which is up from around 8 million in 2019. And now from the 12 million, uh, 9 million euro will be distributed using four different metrics. Um, and, and this is an adaptation of John Canellan's from Westmead, as it turns out, that came up with the Westmead County um, AGM or the Congress. Uh, but the four metrics are the number of registered players, which would be about 60%, uh, which would be a distribution of 5.4 million. Uh, the, number, the club numbers in a county will account for 20%, which approximately is about 1.8 million. Uh, team numbers at 10%, which is about 900,000. And after that, the 10% will be allocated to um, counties on their percentage participation calculations. This all sounds very complex, and genuinely, it is complex. It's, it's definitely not, an honors maths question, Mary. It's an honors maths question, <laughs> definitely, because I've been and I'm, I, I've been at this for a day or two and asking others. And the, the statistic that I suppose that, that last part comes out is that fifty-five percent of four to thirty-seven-year-olds in Leitrim are registered players by comparison to eleven percent in Dublin which uh, is, is interesting. Now, when the allocation of 9 million euro is, is uh, established uh, or distributed, uh, another, um, the other 3 million will, will then be distributed uh, and another four bands will be decided upon in time. And this is basically designed to bring balance and equity to the mathematical model. Uh, so a county that's down the charts after the first installment uh, or the first distribution, I should say, rather than stuff, then this will address it. So it emerges that all counties get more or less the same. There might be a difference of 20, 30, 40,000. What Dublin is going to get, we don't know. I would suspect that they will be at a loss of anywhere between 200 and 300,000. But considering what they're getting, that's, that's not a huge hit. But that having been said, it's, it's our capital city and county so mm. and and this goes back to 2002 when there was a big investment put in it was started i think 2002 about and that dublin needed the capital we needed to get gaelic games up and and, and make it vibrant in the city so what the dublin are going to get we're not too sure by our calculations cork will get about 500,000 extra uh, extra um down i was in down yesterday and i was surprised to learn that down over the years got 135,000 euro um, is this per year, Marty? Per year, annually. So they're going to get a rise, as will other Ulster counties. 
So basically, this is just a brief synopsis for you guys. If this is passed by Central Council on Saturday, it will start in October 2022, October this year, sorry, and uh, will be for four years. Now, I would say that the GA are expecting Central Council maybe to examine it in more detail so that the further details might, or the final conclusion may not emerge on Saturday. And there might be a couple of tweaks. And then they may say, this is very fair. Um, but it's based on mathematics rather than saying we have a problem and we, we give everything to that area. This is, this will, I think this will solve or attempt to solve the distribution of funds mm. for games development. But think of that, we, we know like uh, Dublin, uh, all conquering, the money is flooding in. Now they're the division one whipping boys and they're losing, they're going to lose 200 grand a year. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's ter terrible stuff, Mikey, terrible stuff. Now listen, I think, and that's just Kieran Whelan's salary, lads. Let's be <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Whelan. Sorry. I wish. I wish. Uh, no, I, I think it's reasonable, Mikey, and it's you know, what what you know. It's been well recognised that there is some counties that have struggled in terms of their coaching resources, um, and there needs to be more fair, equitable balance in terms of the funding. I don't think anyone can argue against that. I think in Dublin, you know, there was probably a lot of nonsense talks that this money that went in 2001 correlated with the success. Uh, I, I never believed that because I think it was, we, you look at the group of the players that started that run in 2011 was well ahead of uh, any funding and coaching that came through. And so, like, I think, you know, Dublin's priorities really, in my view at the moment, is, is facilities and Dublin have no centre of excellence and, and that's really what they really have to focus on. I think that has to be their key objective and strategy over the next few years is to actually get a centre of excellence because it's one of the big weaknesses that Dublin have. But I do think, listen, I, I don't think there'd be any complaints from Dublin. You know, probably back in 2001, people felt Dublin went needed, that we needed to increase participation. Uh, we need to get more people involved. I think the game has obviously blossomed in Dublin, particularly women's football um, and, and, and men's football. Participation numbers are up. Um, and, and Dublin would still get their fair share of the pie based on the mathematical equation. It sounds quite complex, Marty, but it would yes. still uh, have investment in maybe certain areas. And I, and I think it really it's the, it's the rural and urban divide that, that, that's key. Uh, and there's probably certainly urban pinch points around the country that uh, need investment to try and encourage more participation. So I don't think like anything that's fair and equitable and brings more investment to counties where they can bring in more GPOs and share GPOs across various clubs, get them into the schools to increase participation. I don't think anyone can have any complaints with that. Yeah, and it does sound, Rory, like the, the GA are leaving themselves wiggle room here. The, the 9 million will be distributed as per the uh, paper two equation. And then there's 3 million that, because at the moment the GA do have, you know, you know they, they allow themselves some discretion. Antrim have obviously had huge amounts of money pumped in in recent years. The commuter bell counties in Leinster. So the GA will be leaving themselves a wiggle room to say that, you know, everybody's got their fair share, but now we've decided that whatever county it is, or whatever code it is that Kevin Hurling is on its uppers. So we're going to invest 6 million euros in Kevin Hurling and they're going to be all Ireland champions in three years. Yeah. And I think it's, it, it, they're trying to put a bit more science into and, and, and looking to derive data by which to disperse the funds in, I suppose, a more purposeful manner. That to me is a smart thing to do because you know, we always hear certain accusations where, you know, whether it's club executives, as I've been there, 
going all the way to the top, that money gets poured into a black hole and you don't see any tangible benefits from it. I think they've decided to go down a road by which they can try and come up with, as Marty outlined, and some sort of algorithm whereby the funds are distributed to places where it's most needed. I think that makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways. I think, Rory, there's, there's probably one still distinct difference between, I think, within Dublin and other counties. And I, I'm not privy to the exact facts on this, but I get a sense, that, you know, certainly membership are higher cost within within Dublin and some of the, the bigger clubs would probably generates a lot more revenue for some of the bigger clubs in Dublin. Um, you know, certainly, you know, membership, family memberships can be up around the 200, 250 mark. I don't that level of, of, of membership is within the rural counties. And I think that's that's another reason why probably some of the bigger clubs in Dublin had a lot more resources at will to maybe a lot of clubs engage their own coaches outside of the funding as well. Um, you see a lot of the big clubs maybe have two or three coaches that they're, they're self-funding. That's the distinct difference that's going to continue to be there. I think. Yeah. Um, Marty, just uh, one more mention for Congress in the football side of the show. Sorry, I forgot to mention Anthony Daly will be along shortly to talk hurling and a little bit more Congress. Um, we're going Congress mad. Uh, the championship structure, Marty, after all the toing and froing and gnashing and teeth of and wailing of special Congress, um, you know, this is this is going to sail through as motion number one, the new football championship structure, which is kind of as we've discussed it in all. I think anybody listening to this podcast likes GA enough that we don't need to explain it to them. But don't need to go there again, Mikey. We don't and we're not going to <laughs> just wanted to get Marty's take on what we discussed at, at length on Monday, which is the idea that this new structure bakes in the, you know, the the split season, which does guarantee 40 percent of uh, of uh inter-county competitive matches are being played by the end of by the end of may uh, by the end of february sorry and the lion's share of them are done by april and as we're learning this last couple of weeks it's not the best time of year to be playing top level inter-county sport well <clears throat> i presume this podcast is being recorded because th this is history here because i am now in full agreement with rory o'neill <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to buy you lunch. <laughs> Red letter day. Um, I, I, I have to say I am, I am not a fan of this proposal. Um, and Marty, I, Marty, just, just one other thing on that. I think, it, sorry, to, just to, before you go hmm. on this, this new proposal, by the way, is going to make football championship expand from 68 games to nearly 100 with the Talchon hmm. Cup, which again is being squeezed into the same time frame. Sorry. And, and that is a valid point. I, I just, I, I, I've always maintained that county managers have way too much power and control. County boards are the people who run the games in every county and they should take control uh, like a business uh, and may ensure that they run their championships and competitions um, accordingly. Uh, we now have a situation that for, on the 17th of July, we have the hurling final. On the 24th of July, we'll have the football final. And then we won't have inter-county games again on any uh, terrestrial network or anywhere else until at least the end of, July, of January or February. That just doesn't make sense. And I understand about the club uh, and the common part of the club. We're all club members. I, I know Rory said it on Monday. That we're all club members and the club means everything to us. But we also have to realize that when it comes to All-Ireland final, to me, the All-Ireland final should be in September. Uh, I think they should be sacred, but that means running your competition 
accordingly. I think that we have uh, the split season. Now we're in experimental mode. We got to go with it. I think having the football final on the 24th of July and the Galway races the following day, to me, says it all. We'll have no inter-county football hurling in August, September, October, November, December, maybe the end of January. That can't be a marketing um, success. It just can't. You're allowing other sports. If I was in the FAI or the RFU, I'd be saying, hey, happy days. Um, and I understand how difficult it is, but that means that I think training for inter-county players should be just twice twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. I spoke to a, a well-known established uh, coach yesterday, and this is the conversation we had. And he's I think he's going to do a piece with me uh, uh, later on. I won't mention his name until he says what he wants to say. But I am I I, I just find it amazing. I mean, I found Pat Spillane's statistics. I know you've you've said it there. Forty percent of games of inter-county games are going to be played by is at the end of February. I. I am just, I'm, I, I'm, I, I, I don't know, it's if words fail me in this. I just mm. don't see the logic of putting your best, I know you have to have uh, club competitions, but your, your inter-county is everything. National schools, secondary schools. If Kerry or Cork are playing Dublin and All-Ireland final, I've been there. We've seen the excitement in the schools and putting on their jerseys. We've lost that. We've lost the fact that the All-Ireland is the first Sunday in September. The schedule should have been built around it and maintained what was saying. But then maybe I'm old-fashioned. August yeah. kind of worked, but bringing it back to July, I think, is just... And I think I think it'll be... I, I, I regret that that decision was made, but we have to go with it now and see what happens. Yeah. I think, I think on that, Mikey, you know, I, I would have been for the season and I thought... I thought in the past, when All Ireland ran maybe to the end of September, the club season became very compact and it was unfair in the club player. And I think we all agreed that. I I, I sensed the, the someone meeting in the middle here. I always felt that eight. Remember the April month for clubs, like yeah, that, that was a vacuum. That was a nonsense. That was like, you know, you'd have a break for five, four or five weeks, and inter county managers will be pulling the players in because they were first out the round. And, no, there was, there was there was no club games. Very few club games played in that period. So that was that was a little bit silly. But you still have that vacuum. I think you can pull back. You know, I think July is a little bit early. I think you have to consider Sigerson at the start of the year and maybe an end of August finish somewhere in the middle to allow maybe clubs go in September onwards. You know, and give them a proper window would be reasonable somewhere in the middle. But the funny thing about it is, and this is the same with senior. Uh, like I'm involved with a minor team at the moment. And, you know, we got our league fixtures. So we play our league and we get on with our league without our county players, similar to similar to um, senior teams presently who are with the county. Uh, and our league finishes on the 6th of July, right? You know, when the All-Irelands are due to about finish. Our first championship game is the 11th of September. We have nine weeks without a game between the 11th of July. <laughs> like that just, here we are pushing... We're, we're finishing the All-Irelands early to facilitate a split season, but a lot of counties aren't actually going to We're start. We're not using it. We, we, we look, we look. Months. So you know, it just, that's the part that doesn't add up for me. It, it does, it's there that. you go. Yeah, like it, that, that is the part that really, really gets, gets you know, grinds my gears, uh, to quote a family guy. Like, I mean, the, you have a situation now, let's say this year, come the middle of May, Around the 22nd of May, there'll be four counties in Hurling, two from Munster and two from Leinster, whose seasons will be over, finished. So let's say for argument's sake, and let's just 
ballpark it. So let's say Watford and Clare are knocked out of Munster by the 22nd of May. And let's say Galway and Dublin, for argument's sake. Does anybody in their right mind think that the county boards in those counties is going to begin the championship uh, a couple of weeks later and run them in June and July, knowing that the provincial competitions aren't likely to start until probably September when the other teams have had their break and eventually get knocked out. And, and it won't even be September. And then you have then you have your exit, not, not only to mind your exodus to the States for your J1s, which are back on the scene in a big way. I mean, I don't can know. I, can, I, can I add to, to the argument here a small bit? Um, we say the club is the epicenter of our world in, in, in the J world. So the All-Ireland Club finals have been held on St. Patrick's Day uh, and had held centre stage to a large extent. So what do we do? We change it from March to a Saturday in February uh, in Croke Park on the day when our country is playing France in the Six Nations, where if you're looking again from a marketing and strategic point of view or emphasizing how important the club is, a Saturday afternoon in Croke Park is not the same as St. Patrick's Day. And particularly when you have to look at a global picture and see where, where, our, where the GA's competitors are, most people want, whether you're into rugby or not, most people want to see your country play against France in the sixth day or whatever country it is. Mm, that to me is, 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 that to me contradicts the whole emphasis on the club and then you throw it away on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ireland are playing Italy on Sunday, but I do think actually, because it's Italy, I, I think there might be quite a lot of interest, Willow, in what's going on in Newbridge. <laughs> so um, um, we, we, we haven't much time to talk about the games this weekend, but there's a few we've we, we've put a red circle around. And this is one, this is, you know, Dublin have lost four on the spin when you go back to the All-Ireland semi-final. And now they're playing one of the counties that, you know, they are pretty much blamed for, you know, putting down into the doldrums for the last uh, 15 years and Kildare despite throwing away a pretty good position against the current All-Ireland champions last weekend they must be smelling a little bit of blood and they'd love to put another nail in this Dublin Division 1 coffin wouldn't they? Absolutely and I think it's it's going to be a very tight game uh, Mikey I think the psychological impact for Kildare uh, in terms of getting a performance on, 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 on Sunday is very very big for them you know they've, they've new management in you can see that the lads are performing for them and um, they have a good spirit there they're working extremely hard you know they put up a good fight against Kerry they were very unlucky last week you know and it takes not to get something out of Tyrone um, they'd be a little bit disappointed that you know Tyrone worked the ball through their defence a few times and had the numerous goal chances um, but I think from when you go back to last year's game in Coe Park you know, when you look at the Kildare team that arrived in Crow Park, they arrived waving the white flag. They never actually believed they could beat Dublin. Never. And even after the Daniel Flynn goal, they never really got momentum. And you could see that Dublin had just demoralised them over a long period of time. That's where they have to get that shift change on Sunday. Um, and no doubt Glenn Ryan and Dermot Early and Johnny Doyle and Cole will be instilling that belief in them that this is their opportunity to really lay down a marker for later on in the summer to say, do you know what? We're back on the level with the dubs. And uh, I think they'll we'll get a big performance from Kildare. Is this is definitely not a, 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 any sort of easy game from Dublin. Dublin are going down there on the back of three defeats as we said and it's tough. It's tough on the young lads because confidence now is low. 
they're probably under pressure, they're traveling, they're not in Croke Park, they're out of that environment. You know, a Dublin team big there'll be a big local yeah. crowd, we know. Absolutely, but they were able to they were able to get off planes from holidays and rock up and beat teams, no problem, wherever it was. That is gone. Um, and from a Dublin perspective, you know, it's very interesting tactically. I think they have to, they really have to look and say, right, we really need, we, we need to dig out a win. No matter how, what way we get that, win, we've got to dig out a win. And I think I'd be very interested to see how, how, how Dublin are going to approach the game defensively. They have to start getting a little bit of structure there. I know this has been said, but, you know, Davy Byrne and Lee Gannon, you know, being let go and attacking and not having people back to protect and if it means going in and playing with a sweeper or because if Daniel Flynn is given the space that was afforded to Kerry and Armagh, he that guy is such a powerful machine, he will cause havoc. So I think I, I for me, I think Dublin are still going to be weakened going down there. They they have to go with and maybe turn into a dogfight and hope to hope to get out with something because Kildare are going to be well set, well set up for it. Their inside forward line, Woodgate, Highland, Flynn, very, very lively. The midfield, I don't know whether Kevin Feely will be back, but Kevin Flynn is performing well there. Michael Grady's doing very well in the full back line. Uh, so it's 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 a tough, tough, tough game for Dublin. And uh, Kildare, you know, I, I, can't, I genuinely can't wait for it because I think it's kind of kind of a championship feel to it uh, on the flip side then marty let's say to look at it from a positive side for dublin who are obviously are like uh, behind the eight ball at the moment they win this game they get a bit of confidence they get a bounce then they go up and play the all-ireland champions in in oma which is obviously a game you'd have to get up for donegal at home monaghan away um you know it's not like they're doomed and this is obviously a very good football team and perhaps they do look like a team that just they, they need a spark don't they yeah, I, I mean, uh, Dublin in crisis would be a total exaggeration, in, in my view. I, I've We've all watched the games, and I, I did Dublin carry myself, and I thought a couple of decisions went against them, and they were just plain unlucky and an awful night, so you couldn't judge it. Um, I think when you, you know, if you, you, you rule out Dublin at your peril, um, they're not as good as they were, but then... Dublin team that won six All-Irelands in a row were a superb bunch and they deserve all the accolades that they've got. But the bottom line is there are new players being tried out. And when you bring in James McCarthy and Conor Callaghan, that changes the perplexion. Hathero Cuffig-Byrne, I know, was playing outstanding for UCD and he literally destroyed my old college himself until he got injured. Uh, that's UCC. So I, I, I think that Dublin will be there, thereabouts, when it matters uh, in terms of Leinster, in terms of the championship. Don't think they'll win the All-Ireland. But I think that it could turn out. Dublin Kildare will be very interesting. I, I agree with everything that Kieran has said. I think I think Kildare are shaping up nicely now. They're getting that nice balance of physical strength and a bit of experience, and they'll learn from losing in Oma. Uh, and Tyrone, uh, I was talking to Conor Myler during the week, and they were kind of delighted that they could pull a win without four of their, their four suspended players. So it could emerge that at the very end that the relegation could be the last game. With, between Dublin and Monaghan could, depending on circumstances. But I think Dublin won't be as bad when it comes to championship time. And I think you rule them out at your peril. Yeah, I think I think I think what's interesting, Mike, is even you look at Dublin and the concession of goals, you know, and even the nature of the games the last couple of weekends and weather conditions and gales blowing, it's very, very difficult. If team if you if you can see two goals in a, in a national league game this time of year, you really match. 
Essentially, Goose, you know yeah. what I mean. You're, so, so you can, you, and we've seen that with some of the results over the last couple of weeks. Goals have been kind of winning matches, so that's why I think it's, it's it becomes about a bit of a grinding out, a kind of a victory or grinding out a performance, and 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 cutting down on the concession of goals gives you a chance in every game. And I think that's what that's that's where Dublin have hurt themselves the last couple of weeks, and that's where Kildare are going to go after them. Mm. Um, the other game division we'll just give a quick mention to Rory would be Mayo v Armagh mm. um, you know it does look it's a, a very interesting matchup of two of the early form teams one of them perhaps expected I would say Armagh there one of them perhaps not expected in Mayo that I think people are quite quite amazed in how Mayo have bounced back from as we were discussing previously what is Mayo always what re- bounced back <laughs> what remains an in, like an inexplicable all-Ireland final no-show, really, I think it was what Kevin McStay described it as last week. Um, you know, they've shown good form. They're out of McHale Park for the for the spring, and they're playing this match in Roscommon. Um, it should be very interesting. And also, if the weather isn't too bad, you would imagine a very entertaining game from the way these two teams have played the league thus far. Ah, it'll be a cracker. We've cameras going to it. Hopefully, um, you know, a lot of, obviously, our plans for this weekend are, is weather dependent but look it seems to have settled down again there now today so fingers crossed but yeah so uh, to me this is another like there's so many good matches this weekend to look forward to particularly and the funny thing is a lot look reality is a lot of the games are really in division one they're the ones that we we all really are looking forward to even though there's a lot less jeopardy i suppose given the talchin cup um issues in division two and division three but I think this game has, like, you're going to find out an awful lot about both teams again. Like, you're going to be four games in. There's rumours that we might see Killian O'Connor for the first time. <clears throat> Even just a cameo role, maybe. 10 or 15 minutes now, they might hold him back as well. But Mayor, I think, are in absolutely incredible shape. Like, considering the no-show, as we said, and that was probably the most surprising aspect of the All-Ireland Final. Because even in the, even in the games, the, those epics that they lost to Dublin, they always performed. It was probably the first time I've ever seen a James Horan Mayo side not really play to anywhere near to their potential. And I'd say that's probably what rankles most with him and with them. And look, I think from their point of view, there were so many positives that they could take out of that game last Saturday night. They probably could have won that match by more. They've got yes, a really settled midfield. They look like they've got a lot more potency now up front. As you said, Killian is coming back in. Tommy Conroy, as we know, is a bit of a blow. They still have the likes of Brendan Harrison, who I thought played really well against Monaghan. He didn't play the last day. We might see him again this, this week. you know. And obviously their goalkeeper potentially is the farm goalkeeper in the country, you know, given um, Stephen Cluxon's departure and obviously Rory Began up there with Rory Began. So I think they were in great shape. The fact that the game is in Roscommon, I don't think it's going to make too much of a difference to them. They'll still bring their ten or 12,000 like they always do and their incredible support. And Armagh will bring a good support as well. I think it's going to be a super test for them. And it'll give both teams a really good glimpse as they go into the next mid-season break. Um, uh, Just a really good sense of where they stand before we see out the the remaining stages of the Shows League. We'll have to wrap up the football in a minute because Anthony Daly is waiting to come in. So we're going to we're gonna mention the Clare footballers because we can't have Marty and Dalo on and talk about the Clare hurlers because it would be unbearable. <laughs> but we'll mention the Clare footballers because, Marty, they are... Um, it's the only Division 2 game on Sunday. They're, they're hosting Derry. 
And in Derry at this stage look like a Division 1 team trapped in Division 2, you could say. But at the same time, Clare are, as always, showing themselves to be almost a, 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 a league specialist side. Well, Mikey, first of all, may I congratulate you on being a great host because yeah. to mention Claire in a podcast is superb. And indeed, may I, you know, may I say that we're intending to win the All-Ireland. Um, Both All-Irelands, I hope. <laughs> Over the double. Um, Claire footballers have been playing, uh, considering the depth of talent that's there. Colm Collins, to my way of thinking, has been a superb manager. Uh to be honest with you, when I looked at the fixtures, I thought Cork away was difficult. Roscommon away was difficult. You got two points. Sir. And we got two points out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we have, we've, we have our record. I, I put down, to be honest, probably both of them as losses. I was at the McGrath Cup match in Milton Malbert. I cleared it well, but Cork looked a little bit sharper, but still thought we'd do better against them in the league. So now this is the real first, uh, I suppose, because Derry are the, probably the form team in Division 2. But I have to say that my own crowd have been doing really well and Colin Collins deserves a lot of credit because uh, he keeps bringing in new players coming in and freshening it up. Um, and obviously when Gary Brennan retired, I thought Gary Brennan had two or three more years left him easily. And I thought he, we would never recover from his departure, but we have. And I think to be there or thereabouts, to survive in Division 2 is would be quite an achievement. It'll be a test for Derry as well, Martin. It will be. It will be. Um, a test for Derry. Yeah, I think it will be a big test for Derry. Um, and I think this is the barometer of which Clare will be judged, like Mayo will be judged when they go down to Tralee against Kerry in particular. Do you know what I mean? I think these are these are games that test out the, 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 the fibre and the character. So yeah, I think, think Clare Derry, I'm really looking forward to, to Dublin Kildare, looking forward to Mayo Armagh, and Clare Derry would be up there in the top three, and I'm glad that we... We spoke about all I, th- I, th- I think, Mikey, quickly, Division 2 is going to be fascinating because it's nearly split into two mini divisions now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mead at the weekend. You're down Offaly, Cork and Mead. All, I think, most of this, more or less have to play each other. Yeah. They all have to play each other the next few weeks. That's going to be fascinating to see who, yeah. who's going to do themselves out of that. So, there's, like, Division 2 is going to really heat up now in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I honestly believe in the next couple of weeks we'll probably just grow to ignore Division 1 and it'll be the other, the middle two <laughs> yeah, divisions yeah, are the ones yeah. that will be of interest because of their implications for the summer and the fact that the games are actually do or die. Anyway, Wheelo, thank you for joining us. We'll, we'll uh, let you off now and no um, we shall welcome in Anthony Daly to talk about hurling. Welcome back. Uh, Anthony Daly has joined us. So we've got... Uh, a uh, a Claire duo up against us here. How are you doing, Dela? Uh, good, Mike. Good, good. Yeah, good. good. How are you good doing? Stuff. Good. I think we're all well. Um, we'll get on to talking about the few. <laughs> We've decided there's three hurling games that aren't going to be one sided, so we'll we'll discuss those in a minute. We're just going to go back to our Congress chat for a minute. We we decided to split it between the two codes, and seeing as we have our esteemed GA correspondent on, we're picking his brain. Um. <laughs> Oh, wait, he's coming in later with Marty at the moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Marty, how motion. Do I, how do I mute you? Marty? How do I mute you? <laughs> I'm sorry, Marty. I'm sorry. Um, Marty, the lack mo- of respect is appalling. It is, I know. A hundred lines after this, I will do them. I will not disrespect our GA correspondent. Wexford are just going well, Marty, so he's a bit cocky. Yeah, cocky. Yeah, he's a bit cocky. <laughs> um, Marty, Motion 33 is the, obviously getting a lot of uh, airplay at the moment, and um, it seems like pushing an open door. This is the one where the GPA 
are calling for the GPA to are calling for the GA to make it a fundamental policy that they chase integration with uh, the LGFA and the Camogie Association. Um, I would say, Marty, that for the last twenty odd years, while maybe not always at the forefront of the GA's mind, it's it has probably always been what they might describe as a fundamental policy. So it's hard to see that this will more than likely pass. It's hard to see it not passing, but it's hard to also see what fundamental difference it will make. Correct, exactly, Mike. What what is it, Marty? Like, what actually <laughs> is this motion? I, I, well, it's well. I, I'll read it to you. Uh, the GA will prioritize integration with the LGFA and Camogie Association in order to jointly ensure equal recognition, investment, and opportunity for all genders to play all sports in the Gaelic Games family. But all in favour? Yes. Yeah, okay, yeah, move on. Yeah, like, that, that's, that's what will happen. What it is like. Yeah. And and yeah. will there be a? a a huge, I don't know if there'll be much of a conversation. As I said in my news piece, it'll be interesting to see if anybody speaks from LGFA or Camogie on this. Um, the LGFA and Camogie, as we know, operate separately and independently, and sometimes they've clashed over fixtures. Um, and so the, the relationship would be fine, but I don't know if just, you know, I don't know how close it is. But that having been said, I think once you read this, I think everybody will agree that it should happen. Um, and that, uh, but whether or not what will happen after this, there it will be mentioned for about five minutes, maybe on Saturday, and then I think we might hear from about it for some for some time. I think that will be the bottom line. Yeah, Dale, it, it it for those of us not involved at a senior level in any of the three organizations, but particularly I would say in the two female organizations, it's very easy to say this should happen, this should happen, um, and the benefits of it are obviously they're they're numerous they're obvious to all of us but that's not to say that there aren't drawbacks like you know no sporting organization probably particularly wants to be subsumed into a far far larger one and there are they probably feel there are issues around being heard and becoming the you know the second and third wheels in within the GAA they're not invalid worries you would think yeah um but I think I you know from my seat from my own club there Mike you know, the girls are always so visible around our pitches um, they're part and parcel of our club, really, even though separate organisations, you see. What 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 Marty touched on there seems to be the major problem, and we see it in Clare with a good few dual players, uh, Camogie and, and ladies football uh, stars, that they're caught maybe to play on Saturday and Sunday, or sometimes playing Saturday and Saturday. Mm. So there's probably more stuff to be ironed out there. But it's funny, uh, as you say, there's little, I suppose there's benefits for some people in these, you know, 20 years ago, Mike, I tried to start a hurling club down here with the great father, Peter O'Loughlin, with Carmel Coughlin, with the backing of probably the strongest West Clare hurling club in Marty's Clumbunny, uh, with Christy up there, uh, Christy <laughs> Carty, and we were beaten uh, by the West Clare board 7-6 uh, up at the Quilty Tavern to form a hurling club. And when you look at the dynamic of the Clare County final this year, where Ballier and Ina Kildamona met and so many West Clare lads on both sides. Um, you would wonder where we would be now, you know, if we got the grants, got the pitch. Mm. But, of course, some of the clubs who voted against, the seven votes against, were maybe worried about their own little benefits and their mm. own. So just a little... It's 20 years ago and it's still uh, kind of, you know, makes me wonder that do some people just have their own agendas and are not willing to look at the bigger picture enough. Yeah, and I think. Uh, sorry, Mike. I just think on. last last Saturday or Sunday, uh, Sunday was it? I think, where Sarsfields of Galway and Schlock Neil of Derry 
had to play an All-Ireland club semi-final down in Goring. I know there were circumstances, weather, etc. But geographically, logistically, that just couldn't make sense to bring a Derry team and a Galway team to Goring County Wexford to play an All-Ireland semi-final. So I think they're the things, as I mentioned, and Dale alluded to as well, is clash of fixtures between LGFA and Camogie, and just, I suppose, the unfairness of asking two clubs to go that distance. Surely there must have been a pitch somewhere between Galway and Derrick, or even play home and away, toss the, the coin, rather than be putting that level of expense on people. Yeah. The one, the one, there's only one little thing I would have added to the whole thing, Mikey, is I would have put a time stamp on it. Mm. would have put a time stamp on the motion to be done by 2024. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What they've done is, to my mind, it's a bit watery. Well, you would imagine they're going to uh, have the same motions put to the LGFA and Camogie Association Congresses as well. Isn't that, is that the idea here? Is that the end game that they, they put pressure on the three of them and be seen to be put pressure on the three yeah. of them? And that way, maybe you get something. Because I... From what I've heard and what I've read about it and what I've talked to people like Marty and Damien Lawler and people who know far more about this than me, the the, the barriers have never re- really traditionally been in Croke Park. They've been with no. the two other organisations. As I said, they're not illegitimate reasons, a lot of them, I'm sure, and they're concerns that need to be put to bed. But, you know, Liam O'Neill and other GA presidents have tried to put them to bed thus far and have failed. So... Yeah, Mike, I don't we, think the one thing I'd say, Mike, we, we need about we need about eight more of the kind of councils domes around the country yeah, yeah, where yeah. we could have matches going on all day and there'd be no issues. I know Kerry Kerry and Claire yeah. Davies had a bit of an issue as well with um with them big not being played. And, and, and most and most clubs, our club anyway, and I, and, I, and I think it's most clubs are, are already uh, operating a one club policy. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's already there by and large. Mm. Um in so far as the boys and girls are treated 100% equally and have the same access and entitlements mm. to mm. pitches for games and training. And there's no differentials whatsoever. It's ultimately just... It's not the intercounty the, admin and commercial... It's, just, and it's the organisations, really. Yeah. You know? yeah. is, there any truth, is there any truth in the rumour that there's a big dome being built next door to Marty Brown's? Is there any... <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, for five That's the smoking area, for Marty. Five bands in a pig in July, Marty. Yes, friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other motion that uh, Dale, I, I thought it'd be interesting to get your your view on because you're obviously your intercounty manager with experience and also your work with Limerick and in development in other counties is there's several different conflicting age grade motions coming. The one from Central Council is probably the one that has the best chance because that's the way it is, which is to move a minor from 17 to 19. Um, but there's other motions to to bring minor back to under 18 and with conf- conflicting views on what the minimum age should be. Um, there seems to be a lot, of, a lot of agreement that under 17 and under 20 isn't the right mix anyway, Dela. Yeah, that's the way I'd feel, Mike. Um, I thought 18 and 21 had a few problems. A few years ago, it was mostly to do with the leave insert, to be honest, but I think nearly every school now has had a massive take up on transition year. I know where my girls go to school, everyone does transition year almost. Um, and so they're, you know, by the time they're doing their leaving, they're over the 18 mark. So, and the college's competitions now are under 19, but just an under 19, Mike, for me is, is would be the drop off after under 20, under 21, as it used to be, is frightening. And um, for me, we should be going back to 18 and 21, I think. Um, 
I just think we, we, we have lads, if we go back to 19, you know, they'll be finished up playing because, look, with due respect, we, in Clarecastle now, just going me on again, we have a senior team now and a junior A team, we don't have a junior B team, so is it very attractive for a lad who's not making the 26 yeah. on the senior squad to go play in junior A? Some, for some it is, they love it, but for others they can say, should look at uh, won't bother with it, it's, it's commitment. And so I think stretch that out to 21, you know, you're keeping them involved and they will develop then. I've noticed, got back involved with my own lads now and I've noticed lads that I had two years ago with an under 21 panel who have got so stronger and and I'd be asking the lads now, because I haven't been involved the last two years, and I said, would, would he be nearly making it now? And they said, yeah, oh, he's the coming horse. Like, you know, and he, he wants it. And he's passing out lads who were the stars two years ago. And, and for me, we should be stretching on the ages. And uh, mm. if you're going to have a 19, I'd nearly have a 22. So yeah. that'd be my attitude. This, this has the potential, by the way, Mikey, I would suggest, given that there's a multiple motions around this, where I know um, Eric Alciron are looking to try and give counties the authority to drop their own age grades. And there's a number of Ulster counties who want to go back to 18. Mm. And then the central council motion, which is coming via the top table, wants to make under 19. So there's there's a lot of, it's, it, it seems to be a little bit all over the shop in that there's loads of different interests pulling in different directions. And the chances are nothing might get over the line. And usually that's what happens in this, in this scenario. Mm. But this particular issue is a thorny one and has the potential on Saturday to be the most contentious debate, I would suggest. Yeah. But just on, the, on that, our, our 17s got beaten 40 points, Rory, as you know, by your own brilliant Cork 17 team last year. I'd feel like with the development of Tulla, Flannan's had a good team, we're a bit unlucky not to come out of their group. That, like, if that was under 18 this year, I don't think we'd be beating Cork, but I don't even... But it wouldn't be like 30 that. points. Like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I look, yeah. Like, lads have huge yeah. experience gaining now at college's level. Um, and at, at hearty cup level and, and, and would be so much better for that so yeah. 17 is just still very young very raw to be exposed to that level it, it does seem mighty that there's there's no there's no perfect answer obviously i grew up in the age of 18 and 21 which at club level made perfect sense as well and and as dalo says for most of us who knew we were never going to be uh you know, members of the GPA, shall we say, playing a bit of junior B or junior A at the age of 18 or 19 made perfect sense to fill in a weekend when there was an under 21. This almost feels now with the under 19 to me, it almost feels like, you know, the way that thought you get when you're watching an American high school movie where they put so much emphasis on playing American football in school because you don't, there is no amateur American, you can't go play it after school. If you don't become a professional, you don't play it. Or if you don't go to college to play it, you don't play it. So it does seem that like, that gap, it's not universal. Obviously, there's many clubs and many players who are happy to play junior. It, but it does seem that for under 19 to be the last age grade does seem out of step with most other major sports. Well, I, I agree with you and I agree very much with Dalo because I think this is a bit of the, this thing about change, change, change. We had a discussion earlier about uh, the fixtures, All-Ireland Finals in, in, in July, which I think is madness. This is another one of these that I think we've, we've, we've implemented change for the sake of change. If you're going to make a change, it should be a positive change. It should be a, a better one. Yes, you can experiment, but should you should experiment somewhat locally and see if this would work. There's a huge difference visually even between an under 17 and a minor. Um, lads who are under 18 just seem to be, you know, they're, 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 they're just that little bit stronger physically. 
Um, and I saw nothing wrong with under 18 and under 21. And I'm hoping that common sense will prevail, having done the circle, uh, that we will come back to under 18 and under 21, because I think it's the fairest. And it's very important what Dalo said there, that we lose so many players, where that age group, that under 21 is kind of, we seem to hold on to just that little bit longer. Uh, and I, I think, I'm hoping that common sense will prevail. I've seen yeah. both sides of it as well, uh, Mike, just to finish, and I don't want to... Mm. Drag it on with it. In no, Dublin, no, I know it's something Dublin, you'd have the 21 hurling, like, why you'd love to win it. It's kind, it was kind of thrown in at the end. Like, we, when I was with Crokes, we got to the county final um, against Ballyboden, two great games, drawn a replay. And they put down the first round of a knockout under 21 for the Saturday before the county final. And we'd fellas like Ronan Hayes and Fergal Whiteley starring for Dublin now on our 21s, but obviously we're playing the county final the following day. Whereas Marty and Claire, we'll agree it's a fantastic competition. You know, both were played late last year, obviously the circumstances. Mm. But you know, you had Corfin Ruan winning the hurling, mm. following on from brilliant success at minor and a local amalgamation here of four clubs who had struggled with the numbers, had a fantastic win over Aero Guinness. Mm. Two nights before Christmas, and by God, was it celebrated over Christmas? <laughs> and you know, so Clare County Board have always given twenty-one. Yeah. Great stature, and we all know minor has been always given great stature. But 21 and Clare, I will say, has been given a huge um kudos over the years, and it's a mm. fantastic championship to win. Um, just finally, then on Congress motions, uh, Rory, just one you want to mention it just follows on from we had a story there earlier in the month, uh, the down hurling manager Ronan Sheehan, um, uh, accusing the car some Carlo players of alleged sectarian abuse during their league challenge uh league match and it led to a bit of he said she said to and fro um but no doubting it was an unsavory incident whether it occurred or not that the accusations were made is serious enough and there is emotion on the car that kind of would would make these accusations uh, like very serious in terms of the the um punishment that would be doled out i think it's a brilliant motion and i would and i think it's one that slipped under the radar and has got garnered no real traction. And I'd be, I'm a little disappointed actually. And I sincerely hope and pray that the bloody thing passes. It's motion 46. So it's, and, and what's really interesting about it, it's being brought by the Provincial Council of Britain, which I think is indicative mm. in and of itself, because obviously it's slightly more multicultural over there. And it's to add another infraction for sending off offenses. It's going to put, it's going to be infraction number 10 and it states an act by deed word or gesture of a racist sectarian or anti-inclusion diversity nature on an opponent teammate match official now the big thing on this is the penalty so the penalty will be a minimum 48 weeks suspension which is a year, as we know is a year suspension uh, from in all codes all levels with debarment and expulsion from the association also to be considered and to my mind that is non, that should be non-negotiable. That should be an absolute no-brainer. It should sail through and it should send a really good message that the, we're an association that just simply doesn't tolerate racist or racist bullshit in any way, for, uh, shape or fashion. Yeah, well, you'd like to think that that's the kind of thing that will get waved through, all right. But in all these, you'd things, hope, the, you'd the, hope, you'd hope it would get yeah. through, you know. But but the, as is the case currently, it, proving these things is proves incredibly difficult as well you know it's 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 always a case uh, unless the referee hears it you know you're not going anywhere with it it's is the issue um does any bit of sledging know mike it'll be like the, the soccer managers know the hand will be over the mouth <laughs> <laughs> and, and to be fair 
I, I know Rowan in a bit and he's a great guy, you know, Cork, Cork guy, yeah. you know, great. And they're top of Division 2A as well, down, going well and going for three wins out of three at the weekend. And, you know, I do remember being called a free stater a couple of times in league games over the years. And it's the cut both ways as well. And I remember having a, a, a great laugh with a, a, a former Antrim fellow who's a good pal, actually. And I said, Ginny... We always voted for Dev like our crowd. You call free stater. So, uh, look, yeah, I totally agree with what everything Rory said there. You know that that just it's about the message that it sends out. I yeah. mean, look, yeah, I mean, yeah. this might this might never like what you want to say as a, you, you want to say. Look, we just don't tolerate that. It's just not tolerated. End of. And yeah. it's about sending that message out. And I think that would that would to my mind and fair play to the British Provincial Council because I think it's I think it's a really good one. Yeah. Um, okay, so on to the hurling this weekend, and uh, as is as is my want, I'm going to start with Galway and Wexford. Um, Dalo, uh, we've we've mentioned here a couple of times that you know every team should be targeted in the league because it comes so close to the championship. But you know, there there's the way Wexford got about. You know, team selections have been consistent, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It does. It, it looks like there's been a lot of training done, and they're they're not using the league as as any kind of a, a proving ground. This is the match. If Wexford win this match, well, then look, I'm I'm booking off the All Ireland final weekend because Galway are a team that, <laughs> you know, they're exactly the kind of team Wexford do struggle with. They're big, they're physical, um, they're now managed by our bet noir Henry Shefflin, um, playing them below in Galway. They, like they, this is a, a great chance to make a statement for Wexford, but it could also be it's a great chance for Galway to halt the optimism of Mike Hinn. Yeah, coming out of uh, Parky Keeve after Cork fairly wiped the floor with Clare in the first round, I, I, there was a couple of lads, a bit of crack slagging now, wasn't anything that should be banning a Congress. <laughs> and, uh, I, I just said, uh, sure, book the Burlington lads. <laughs> so, Cork so, yeah, very impressed, Mike, because um, very attritional game against Limerick. And then to have to come up seven days later, then up into Cusick Park, which... You know, we'd like to think is a fairly, you know, bit of a fortress spot. Um, and I was very, very impressed with it in the first half. Now, I wasn't impressed with Clare. But then what what impressed me again is Clare really, I'd say, got the ringing from Brian Lohan at half time, got the hairdryer and came out then. Young, young Patrick Crotty, who was really <laughs> impressing people down here, came on and set it up. And kind of Cusick Park came alive, if you like, as it does with the crowd. And it got behind the lads and... Really looked like Clare could drive on and, and Wexford weathered the storm, drove on and, and uh, looked to be in great shape as well. I'd have to say credit to Derry Egan and Niall Corcoran and the rest of the lads with him. Um, and even, what you call the rugby player? Sorry, no, me and the rugby. Gordon Darcy. Gordon Darcy, so I'm very bad at the rugby lads. But, uh, um, you know, like it seems to be buzzing and they had the kind of two ways of playing. They could drop a man deep like they did under Davy and all out attack. And you see D O'Keefe getting up from midfield for the goal. And, and, and the big thing then Mike is Rory O'Connor seems to be just absolutely on fire and was virtually unmarkable for the careful backline. So you could nearly say about three minutes before he got the goal, there's a goal coming here off this flat and he got it. So it's yeah, all good so far. Obviously a very difficult assignment now heading to a bide up uh, Shefflin led Salt Hill. So um, it'd be a huge test for them and you probably fancy maybe Galway up there, but I wouldn't rule them out now. They're in great shape no. and I'd say there's a good buzz going on. You'd know better than me, but there, there seems to be a real uh, unity among them and also, but you, you got that off Galway as well down in Limerick and a huge mm. Galway crowd went to Limerick as well. Yeah. Uh, Marty, there, were, there, there was... Uh, there was uh, 
some level of media interest, shall we say, in in the beating that Dublin gave Galway in the Walsh Cup. But I, I think anybody who's reading too much into the tea leaves of the Walsh Cup needs to, you know, take a rest. But um, Galway have, you know, it's funny how you can almost say they almost look like a Henry Shefflin team already. You're kind of saying there's this, <laughs> this, this like ridiculous kind of work rate from 15 to 1. And there's just like, it, they just look physically up for it. Um, which you'd always say about a Galway team anyway. I, it's hard to even put your finger on exactly what you mean, but you just look at that team and say, ah, yeah, Henry Shefflin's managing them, all right. Mm. Yeah, I, I saw Galway up close when in the very first game of the year in Ballinasloe, uh, which was the Walsh Cup between Galway and Offaly. Now, I actually thought Offaly did rather well that day, but it was a very, very young, inexperienced team that Henry was putting on. He was trying out players. But the place was mobbed. It was like the old days of county finals, but now we're talking about January. And I just thought that there was a wave of positivity behind Henry, which is a good thing, that, because not all managers get that from the beginning. There's usually enthusiasm, but Henry has that extra bit of gravitas. Um, and the performance against uh, Limerick obviously reflected that. I, I, I did the Wexford-Limerick game, and I was very impressed with Wexford, uh, genuine, genuinely, because I thought, you know, Wexford Park, they were tested at various times. Physically, they're good. Um, and they just seem to be, they're trying to adopt a new game uh, away from the sweeper system and play more direct. Uh, as Darry Egan, I remember, said in an interview with me, it'll be according to the, to the circumstances who we're playing. But you'd have to say that Galway at home would be a, a real barometer. As we talked about the football earlier, I think this is a, a big test for, for, for Wexford uh, in particular. But... As Dale said, like a fellow Clare man, I was disappointed with Clare uh, with that game against Wexford. Uh, and to win in Ennis is never easy. Uh, and they did it, and they did it well. So I give mm-hmm. Wexford a fair chance against Galway. Yeah. Yeah. What's the story with Lee Chin? He must be on his way back soon enough, I would assume. Mike. Yeah. I would have thought so. He's kind of in Tony Kelly territory there. I think he's he's training away, etc., and should be close enough. But it's a good sign, Rory, for Wexford that you wouldn't say at the moment they're screaming out for Lee Chin to be there. Yeah. He'll obviously add to the team when he is there, but it's not like there's a big Lee Chin-shaped hole that we're all noticing at the moment. Yeah, Mikey, uh, the only thing, there is a small bit of, you know, he's lead a dead-eye dick free-taker either. I'm not, he's a brilliant player now, don't get me wrong. He, he can be, but then on another day, he can miss yeah. three out of four. Like Jack, yeah. Jack O'Connor missed a few in Ennis, and, you know, yeah, like it's a problem. It is a problem. Real, like a yeah. Galan, Hoggy, Reed, you know, Tony Kelly even now, level free-taker could, could be the difference between winning mm-hmm. Leinster and not winning Leinster. It's very true, and, and it, it, it there's is there's a freshness issue. about Wexford, though. I, they, I think there's mm. a real freshness about their play. They look like they're reinvigorated. They look like they've got a um, bit of their mojo back. Maybe I think I just thought there was maybe a little bit of staleness gone into their play over the last year, eighteen months. And I think whatever Darry Egan has done since he's gone in, it's just lit the place up again. They've got very good personnel. They've got, and I was looking there. I mean, they've got great options is they've a deep enough panel which you're going to need now obviously given the mm. frenetic nature of the championship once that starts so um wexford are in really good shape that's going to be a cracker of a game the only negative i suppose is it's been played in the middle of the atlantic ocean and that's never a good place to play <laughs> hurling true um the other game we're talking about also on the western seaboard uh Dalo is um cork coming up to limerick for uh 
there <laughs> for for the next step in their rehabilitation from the All Ireland final of last year. This is this is the final step in the rehabilitation, I suppose, facing their demon. Um, the one the one plus point for them is the demon will be missing Garod Hegarty, obviously. And as you have mentioned on here before, um, if there's one thing Limerick are a little light on, and we say a little light on, is forwards. So to be without their um, former hurler of the year. Uh, wing forward, you know, we might be seeing a bit more of these young lads. You said, really, it's it's do or die for them. Yeah, well, on the, and on that, Carl O'Neill really stood up the last night. So, I mean, that's a huge four points in play in a very tough physical game. Got to be where we were behind the goal and to be able to see the, some of the exchanges uh, on and off the ball. <laughs> it's just it was tough stuff now. Um, but he stood up. Gillan was back to form, you'd have to say. Sure, first high ball in. Does Dahi Burke on in the air? Not too many do it, and 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 sticks it. So bigger, bigger thing for me is probably William O'Donoghue probably may not be back. I hear Willie Troy and Keen Lynch. Keen very hard done by in the Fitzgibbon Cup final. Mm. I think we'd all agree. Maybe he might say, "Look, I, I, I don't know. Minutes. I don't know where John's mind is on it. Does he want to be going out tennis in round four, pointless? Um, you know, he'd probably beat Offaly in the last match, so." He, he probably knows there's no relegation fears or anything like that. But will he want to be going out tennis with a Tony Kelly probably back is what I'm hearing. Um, you know, it could be could be any sort of a game. But, but he just, yeah, Tom Morrissey needs to just get get a bit of form going. Jimmy Flanagan needs to get a bit of form going. Uh, Graham Mull was introduced last day. So, yeah, it's, it should be a cracker of a game. I've liked what I've seen from Cork. I thought it was ruthless against Offaly last day, ruthless early. Um is Hoggy going to be maybe, is, is his role going to change slightly? And maybe he'll be used as an impact sub? I, I, I'm, I'm wondering about that, Dale. Yeah, yeah, no, a lot will depend on, Alan Cadigan has been just haunted with injuries, like, hasn't he? And, and just if he's fully, but, I mean, Shane Kingston has been playing really, really, was really impressive against Clare, hitting the freeze really well. A lot of options, like uh, missing Melrick and uh, young Joyce the last day, they're probably available again. I, for me, if I'm Kieran Kingston, I'm coming. I know we're, they're going up there in seven or eight weeks' time to play them in the championship. But I'm going it's in up. Parky Cueve. Oh yeah, in Park, and but se- meeting, seven weeks from Sunday. Yeah, seven weeks. But but meeting them, and I I'd be going all out to win because I think if you go, if you go pulling here like a small bit, where are you Monday or Tuesday morning? Then when you're looking at things, you don't know where you are against them. And like, never mind the All Ireland. That's come and gone, and we all know Limerick played out of their skin, and Cork really didn't show. So. It's just one of those days. And I, I, I think Cork are a lot better than that. Have Limerick come back a tiny bit? We don't know that yet. There were signs against Galway that the, it's still there. So, yeah, intriguing one on Sunday. And I was really looking forward to that one. Are, are we, Marty, are we in, are in danger of maybe reading too much into Cork's first two results in that, you know, Clare have had have a lot of injury worries and, like, they were, they were as Dalo would say, they were very off the boil that night. And obviously, Offaly are out of their depth in, in Division 1 at this stage at least. So so th- this is a proper litmus test for this Cork team to see how, as we mentioned, Mayo before have recovered very well from their All-Ireland hiding. This is to see how this Cork team are rebounding and rebuilding. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I'd agree with, with everything that's been said, really. I suppose we were, Clare were badly depleted against Cork uh, for that opening round of the league. But to concentrate on Cork, I still think they have the potential uh, to do better. Uh, I did the Cork Limerick League game last year and I said Mark Coleman would never play centre back or be put on uh, Keen Lynch again. And lo and behold, in the All Ireland final, it was the exact, that was the way it happened. And I was always <laughs> amazed by that. 
Maybe it shouldn't so, have happened. <laughs> it shouldn't have happened. So what I'm trying to say is, I would hope that Cork have learned an awful lot from defeat. And I think, I would think that they have, uh, whether or not they have the, the quality of players, have they got that depth of talent? I mean, in Clare, if you take out John Conlon, Tony Kelly, Peter Duggan, uh, you know, we're not we're not overburdened with with huge with big stars of that caliber, and I think Cork is very much the same. And um, I didn't see an awful lot in the Cork Club Championship, apart from Conor Lahan, who was outstanding, and I'm glad that he's back. And I think he will he should add a bit, but whether or not they've added more, this this will be the test. This will be the litmus test. There's no doubt about it. But he seems yeah. to be going, Marty, with, with that halfback line again with Coleman, right? But what Us? I noticed against Clare was now be lovely to go to the games and in some way not be on duty where you're mm. following the ball all the time. But Coleman with, with, with Mahoney on his right and Downey on his left looks to be, you know, he's gone with him again the second week in a row. Mm. Um, will he go with him again? Now we, we're always kind of tied a, a bit that we don't get the lineups. But what I noticed that first night was Coleman was given a bit of license to get up the field. Mm. over his man and that Ronan Joyce was slotting back in at six. Kieran Joyce was he Kieran Joyce was slotting Kieran, back in. Sorry. That's right, yeah, wasn't he, Dale? Was yeah. Slotting straight back in to the sixth zone. Mm. At one stage, Coleman came right up along in front of the stand. I'm saying this is the centre back to a lad beside me from Cork. And what I said, look, and I and there's Joyce getting back to six to hold the line. Mm. So maybe there's a change of strategy as well. And maybe Maybe they like that half-back line, but maybe know, they do. But uh, you know, you can't yeah, have the structure I, like it was last year. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think Mark Coleman is great going for. I don't think he's a man marker. I think he's a brilliant hurler. I'd be his biggest fan now, to be honest with you. But I think okay. going forward is his is his thing. Um, Actually, Keane Lynch won't be motivated this weekend or anything, Marty. If he is thrown in there, you know, <laughs> I'm sure this weekend he'll be uh, he'll be spitting fire if he is put in there. So it'll be a good test for Mark Coleman. Be good, it? It'll be a good test. But like Keane, uh, Keane really did a, a great job with him in the league and again in the championship. And I, I I'm glad that he said that I couldn't get over Keane being sent off in the Fitzgibbon Cup uh, final. Just. Yeah. Anyway. I'm a UL graduate. I think it was a correct decision. The referee was completely <laughs> on the ball. The big, the, big, the big test, the big test from a Cork perspective, Mikey, is can they mix it? And then, like, I don't think anybody would really doubt Cork's abilities in terms of skills and just the natural skill sets. They're up there with anybody, and they'd match. They'd be a match for anybody in that department. It's can they mix it in a physical sense? They were bet out the gate in the All Ireland final, but bet physically out the gate. This is an area that they're going to have to start, you know, plant a foot on and say, look, can we afford this to happen again? It doesn't mean getting into an arm wrestle with Limerick because if you do, they will win. You know, like I just think Limerick are just way, just much more advanced in terms of their physical de development. This is still by and large a relatively young Cork side. So it'll just be a case, can they, can they stick with them in a physical sense? And then try and move the ball around in such a way that they, you know, make the games slightly mm. more competitive. Haven't gotten, haven't gotten near Limerick in a couple of years now. So yeah. it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a really, really good test for them. And only seven weeks of championship. It'd yeah. be interesting. Will he, will he plant Markeen on either Kyle or uh, Burnsy, uh, Rory, because he's yeah. very quick and very strong, and you know. <laughs> Um, he might throw him in full forward this time round. Well, he started in full forward the last day, but yeah, no, he went straight out to right half. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But you would think that 
this Limerick half back line have to sort of be challenged. You have to get at you have to yeah, get yeah. at them. Yeah, do. yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. um, percent. Right, we'll finish up in a minute. That's just a final word then on the the the, the only game on Saturday in Division One, which is uh, Dublin and Tip. Um, Dale, we we chained Dowling on here last week, um, being very uncomplimentary about the uh, Tipperary and Kilkenny match, and uh, he's probably still getting mentions on his Twitter about it. Um, <laughs> they they are they it's are top poor, of the division with two wins from two, um, but this against your 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 former charges who are in flying form, you know, having beaten, having drawn with the the form team in the country, nearly saying Waterford, um, so they're going up with with three points. Um, this 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 might be, this might be the new way things are. That uh, playing water, playing Dublin is a bigger test of Colin Bonner's new charges than playing Kilkenny is. Yeah, I slightly agree with that. I missed the first fifteen minutes. Uh, Mike um, watched it back later on. It was a terrible first half. To be honest with you, I really enjoyed the second half. I thought as soon as Walter Walsh came on and hmm. he had a couple of tussles with Carl Barrett, and I thought the old life came back into the, the rivalry. And I thought the crowd were electrified near the end and a huge crowd there. And, I really enjoyed the second half, I have to say, and I, I didn't know the first half what I was listening to John Mullane on the way out in the car, and he wasn't even up for it now, and Muller's not <laughs> up for it, uh, <laughs> and he gave me an also. Uh, look at, yeah, but they'll be still delighted with the win, because Kenny came back at him twice and looked like they'd probably get something out of it. Um, you could see the McGraths reappearing as well, Noel, and, and, and John, they have a lot of quality, like Jake Morris and, and uh, Mercure, these guys really like the look of um, Craig Morgan, Connor Beck. Um, the pity is, as you're an ex-UL man, Mikey, Brian O'Mara seemingly has decided he's going away for the summer. Gee, how mm. good was he in the Fitzgibbon? He was absolutely mm. brilliant. You know, and was doing a fair job on Keane in the final, even though it wasn't going uh, UL's way for a long time. Um, so, yeah, now, we, we kind of rubbished the Walsh Cup earlier on there when we were talking about Galway and Wexford, but the dubs went out to win it and won it well and uh you know decisively beat both counties and have carried that on and i mean i i described it as the, as the battle of parnell with waterford like and everyone's raving about waterford but the dubs you know they had two black cards which resulted in penalties that may not have been black cards technically under the rules you know in terms of not a trip not a careless use of the hurley or not have dragged down and uh, no, we'd all agree that the goalies won on on um sean brennan and on um Jack Prendergast while should be a penalty. <laughs> Technically, the three black carding things I don't think happened. So look at this still came out of those two incidents and maybe nearly could have won the game. Now, obviously, Walford are still waiting for next to Jamie Barron and the Belly Gunner contingent. So but Dublin are in form. It was a good win up in Corrigan Park because I think Antrim love it up there as we saw mm. last year with Clare and Wexford and you know, led at half time and it looked as if the pressure was on, but really responded. And for me, it's, I'm not saying it's all the old guard, but it, it is O'Donnell playing a brilliant back, his brilliant best full back. Crummy. Chris Crummy midfield. Sutcliffe. Sutcliffe in Sutcliffe. the form, better form than last year, even. And we were like, mm. and even we were on about Hoggy, Eamon Dillon, Trollier coming off the bench in these games and having. That he made a huge effect. impact actually when yeah. he came on Delo. I'm surprised he's not started. Yeah, Paddy Smith at centre back then as well. That's a that's a bit like Coleman, lads. And Lynch, does he go with Ford or doesn't he? Like, because yeah. Kilkenny didn't go with Ford the last day, and as well as five frees, he got five from play. So mm-hmm. a lot. Of, and look at even from my six years up there, we didn't get on great, Mikey, in Turles against Tip. I can tell you, <laughs> we didn't. Turles, we we'd won great win there in an Ireland quarter final, but that was against Limerick. 
Um, um, but no, not against Tips. So the record isn't good. So uh, even in Jarrah's time, Jar Cunningham's time, I think, and even the last couple of years under Matty, they've just been a nearly wins, but not wins. So yeah. tester, tester for both uh, teams. On Dublin, Roy, the, the, the Conor Callaghan rumours, you said, they're, they're not going away. No, no. I, I, it's probably too late now, though. Win Saturday now, it's a done deal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, there is. I mean, people are asking the question, whereas, you know, I know he had a, I think he had an operation, didn't he, pre-Christmas. Mm. So he, he, he's, he's slow to come back. But the gas thing about this situation is the footballers nearly need him more at this stage than the hurlers do. <laughs> the hurlers do. Like, you know, no, that, no, no, the hurlers could do with him. And yeah, Dublin are in good shape. Like Dale mentioned it there. They've got a stiff, like some of the, do you know what I like about Dublin? They've got, they've got great leaders in the team. There's a couple of really big lads that seem to stand up when it matters. This game is live on GA Go. Um, so for anybody living in Ireland, they'll be able to watch it live on GA Go if they want to tune in. It's on five o'clock on Saturday. Um, I think this is going to be a very interesting contest. I can't wait to, to watch it. And um would not be surprised, given Dublin's form, if they went down and pulled off an unlikely win. Okay. Um, I don't know how unlikely they even describe it at this stage, but yeah, right. I think we've 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 put we've we've talked the GA up and down and left to right at this stage between us all. Thank you to Kieran Whelan earlier, and thank you to Anthony Daly, to Marty. Just need a clear win, Mikey, in Tullamore now. That's what, and we need TK back on the field. Okay? <laughs> Just we're not letting them off, Marty. That light. I was a bit disappointed that we weren't going to talk about Claire Offaly. So if you've about an hour and a half to spare now, lads, let's talk <laughs> about the real game of the weekend. Yeah, now, yeah. when Offaly turn you over, we'll dedicate the entire hurling podcast to it on Monday. How about no, that? I won't be available. Neither <laughs> <laughs> will I. All right. Well, we were very glad to have you today. Then, if that's the case, lads. Um, as always, uh, you can keep across all the GA on all the RTE platforms, and we will, including a football match, sorry, Rory, Donegal and Tyrone on Saturday night. Correct. Yes. And then we've got Saturday yeah. and Sunday sport, and we have everything online for you as well. So we'll have you well covered, and we'll chat to you again on Monday when we'll review the football in Ireland. So thank you to Marty and Anthony and Rory and to Wheelow earlier, and we'll catch you next week. by winning the last two matches on the road and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it! He hits it! It's over the bar! Oh! Holy Moses!